Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. There is a word from the Lord. I want to turn your attention to John chapter 11. Uh, John chapter 11. I'm only going to read verses 41 and 42. And I want to encourage you to keep your Bible or your app open for this entire message because we're going we're gonna to do the electric slide through the 11th chapter and look at a number of verses. And in order for you to sort of understand or better understand verses 41 and 42, I'd uh, ask you to keep your app or your Bible open as we work our way through the 11th chapter of John. I want to express my gratitude unto God for keeping me and blessing me to wake up this morning. Amen. I want to thank God for blessing me to make it to his house of prayer on today. And wherever you are, that space can be converted. It can be the house of God, the dwelling place of God, right where you are. I just pray that uh, I want to encourage you to invite the Lord in that space. John 11, verses 41 and 42. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Our, our title for this message comes from verse 41 where Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. That's what I want to talk about today. Father, I thank you. Again, keep those apps open. Keep your Bible open so that as we journey through John chapter 11 to sort of better understand this, uh, the, the context in which these words are uttered, uh, you can flow right with me here in John chapter 11. For in John chapter 11, here's what we find, y'all. One day, one day Jesus received a text, not literally, I'm imagining if that's all right. But he received a text from Mary and Martha about their brother, Lazarus. The text simply conveyed that Lazarus was sick and it wasn't looking too good. Apparently, there was nothing the doctors could do. But if Jesus could get to Lazarus in time, Lazarus would very likely survive. But Jesus didn't budge. He stayed where he was and, unfortunately, Lazarus died. After Lazarus had been dead a total of four days, Jesus decided to put Lazarus' address in MapQuest and head to Bethany. His disciples tried to talk him out of returning to Bethany. They anticipated some drama, some real drama, uh, some life-threatening drama in Bethany. Jesus insisted on returning because it would help his disciples finally believe in him. In verses 14 and 15, he told them he had already referred to Lazarus being asleep. And they thought that maybe Lazarus had dozed off and maybe everything was okay. But verse 14, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. So come on, y'all, let's go see him. Jesus made his way to Bethany and encountered quite a bit of noise. The disciples, again, did not want to go, but the, but the master insisted. And here they are on the, on the outskirts of the village, according to verse 30. And they anticipate being uh, in a hostile, drama-filled, life-threatening environment. 
Lots of mourners are still there on the scene, even four days after Lazarus had been buried. And this was typical, y'all, because there were some people who were actually professional mourners. You could have a funeral in uh, New Testament times, and there were some people who were, were sort of paid to, to hang around and mourn, even up to a week after the, the deceased person had been buried. So you can imagine the sounds as Jesus and the disciples are, are outside the village, and Martha has come running out to meet them. And you can imagine the sounds and the noise that they encounter. They're probably here, the noise of birds flying through the air, chirping and singing the Lord's praises. They may have, they may have heard some insects buzzing and, and, and chirping. They may, have, they may have heard children running throughout the village playing as, as children do, chasing one another, teasing one another. They may have heard some, some, some people working and gathering water or meal or different things to prepare meals for the day. Uh, but, but they heard all kinds of other noise as well. They, 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 heard, they heard some... I'm sure they heard some people sniffing because people are still wailing and, and, and crying over Lazarus. You know how it is sometimes when you've been crying and you just, you, you've been sniffing. I can imagine all this noise, the, the children running throughout the village and people carrying on the typical business of the day. But you, you still heard some people sniffing because there, there are people still crying four days after Lazarus has been buried. People are still wailing, still sniffing. And as, as if that's not enough noise, here comes Martha. Martha makes her way to Jesus in verses 20 and 21 and says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. As if Jesus needed to hear something like that. As if he needed to hear uh, something that insinuates he fell short because he didn't show up. If you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. But old Martha went on. She knew that God would give Jesus whatever he asked. And now right around this time, Martha slipped away and went and told Martha, Mary, her sister, who was hanging out at the crib, she went and told him, Jesus is here. Mary takes off running, according to verse 32. Mary took off running and runs up to Jesus and says to him, if you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. I don't know if Martha and Mary were already talking before Mary rolled up on Jesus and, and Martha may have told him, I already told him if he had been here that our brother wouldn't have died and I don't know if Mary said well I'm going to tell him too because I'm going to let him know how I feel about how he didn't show up to come and see about my brother you know how sometimes when sisters get to talking and their heads get to rolling Mary rolled up on Jesus and said if you had been here my brother would not have died can you imagine what may have been going on in Jesus mind I can imagine our compassionate loving merciful holy savior rolling his eyes saying to himself now here you go as if it wasn't bad enough your sister rolled up on me uh, uh, attacking how I fell short according to y'all here you go all this noise according to the scriptures got to Jesus in verse 33 in verse 33 the Bible says when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing all this noise Martha came at Jesus and now Mary coming for Jesus and all this all these other people 
just going off on Jesus. All this noise. All this noise. Verse 33 says, Jesus, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. That word troubled means that, that he was agitated, that, that he was confused. He's, he's irritated. In other words, in a holy, sanctified, God kind of way, these folks are getting on Jesus' nerves. Jesus is getting in his feelings. In verse 34, he asked the question, where have you laid them? And then they took him to the graveyard. They took him to the graveyard. And when Jesus got to the graveyard where they had, where they had laid Lazarus to, to, to be buried after he had died, Jesus, according to verse 35, Jesus broke down crying. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. This word weeping means to snort like a horse. That Jesus wasn't just, he, he wasn't just like manly crying. You know how men, men, you know how we cry and we try to act like something is in our eye. Or we got to walk off, you know, where people can't quite see us. We might walk off when we get to crying. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is snorting crying. The Bible, that word Jesus wept me. <laughs> Jesus, sometimes I do that when I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to preserve my manhood. And I'm <laughs> snorting and crying. Jesus is so now Jesus, Jesus, he, he contributes to the noise himself. Jesus wept. And this weeping, this in the word, in the Greek, it generally uh, connotes uh, anger, that Jesus is upset. What he's angry at, we don't know. Some scholars suppose that maybe Jesus is angry that death has come into the world way back in the Garden of Eden, and it just angers him that folk have to die. Or it could be, in my, in my north side of Flint imagination, these folks are getting on Jesus' nerves. <laughs> it could be all of the above. <laughs> that it didn't have to be this way. That God really, in, in, in his original creation, meant for us to <laughs> live forever. Now all this noise, all this complaining, all this wailing, all of this is getting on Jesus' nerves. And then look at verse 38. Verse 38, Jesus is still in his feelings. He stands in the graveyard, and it says in verse 38, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. Some stuff can get to Jesus, y'all. Here he is weeping. Here he is angry. Here he is troubled. Jesus has feelings. Jesus has emotions, but it's a good thing that stuff can get to Jesus because Hebrews chapter 4 teaches us that he is uh, a sensitive great high priest who can feel what we feel. So when you, when you get in your feelings, Jesus sits on the throne of grace and says, I understand how you feel. When, when folk getting on your nerves, Jesus sits on the throne of grace and says, as he can relate to how we feel he said I, I understand I understand how you feel he, he this is what makes him such an awesome great high priest for the believer he can be touched according to Hebrews 4 with our weaknesses so when you're struggling and weak you need to approach his throne of grace with confidence because he understands he can relate he feels you and he can help you Jesus is crying <laughs> He wept and now people look at him crying and in verse 36, verse 36, some people see, they see the compassionate side of the Christ. They say, oh, how he loved Lazarus. Oh, he just loved him. Look, look at how he's weeping over him. He's so compassionate. But in verse 37, in verse 37, some people now adding to the noise by criticizing him. If he could heal the blind. He could have kept this from happening to Lazarus. 
I, I, I can hear them talking like some of our friends talk. They, they probably sounded like this. It just seemed to me if he was all that like folks say he is. If he could perform all the miracles that people say he could perform, just seemed to me he could have stopped this from happening. Isn't it something that despite all of the blinded eyes he's opened and all of the healings he's done, that folks still want to check him over this one time when Jesus didn't show up? I bet all of this noise that Jesus hears, the criticism from Mary, the criticism from Martha, the criticism from the crowd, all this wailing, all of this, all this noise, I, I, I bet, I, I bet it really, it really, really got to Jesus. I probably sounded, you ever hear some, some, some people just complaining and it just sound like a gnat in your ear, like, like a fly has flown into your ear. It's just so irritating. They, they just forget all the good that you've done. All the stuff you got right. It reminds me, it reminds me of a graphic I saw on Facebook this week that told of a teacher writing multiples of nine on a board. The teacher began with nine times one, and she wrote nine times one equals seven. The teacher, the students began laughing at the teacher because they knew, they knew that nine times one doesn't equal seven. Nine times one equals nine, but the teacher just kept on writing. Nine times two equals 18. Nine times three equals 27. Nine times four equals 36. The students continued to laugh at the teacher and make jokes because they still saw that nine times one equals seven. But the teacher kept on writing. Nine times five equals 45. Nine times six equals 54. Nine times seven equals 63. Nine times eight equals 72. Nine times nine equals 81. Nine times nine equals 90. The students are cracking up. They're laughing. They're pointing their fingers at the teacher, mocking the teacher. And the students, the students, while they're cracking up, the teacher turned around and told the students that she intentionally wrote nine times one equals seven knowing that nine times one equals nine she said sometimes in life people will make a bigger deal of the one thing you get wrong than the other numerous things you get right these folks are making a whole lot of noise criticizing Jesus as if to dismiss all the miracles he's already done all the situations he's already turned around the water he's turned to wine the blind eyes he's opened and other demonstrations of his power this one situation with Lazarus death seemed to make all the previous miracles Jesus did null and void it's like that sometimes ain't it y'all some of y'all have gone through that some of you may be experiencing that right now and it gets to you doesn't it just like it got to Jesus watch this y'all we allow that kind of stuff to get to us too if we're not careful, we can allow folks dismissing awesome stuff we, when, when all they talk about, all they tweet about, all they post about is the awful stuff to put us in our feelings. Jesus is weeping. Jesus is emotional. Jesus is angry. But what did the, what did the master do? Just like the teacher kept writing multiples of nine on the board, Jesus kept on working this miracle for this multitude of noisemakers. He commanded the stone closing the opening of Lazarus' grave to be removed. Martha made some more noise and cautioned Jesus that, the, that Lazarus stinks. She may have been under the impression that Jesus wanted to simply view the body since he missed the viewing at Nelson's in Bethany. She believes her brother will be resurrected at the end of time but did not know that Jesus can raise the dead. Lazarus had been dead, been dead for four days. The Jews believed the deceased person's soul hovered over their corpse for three days in hopes of the soul reconnecting with the corpse. And by the fourth day, it's a wrap. Jesus intentionally waited until the fourth day to come to Bethany to see about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. 
He has a point to make. But Jesus reminded her about seeing God's glory in verse 40. He responded to Martha, Martha's warning. Uh, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Martha doesn't know it. But she is about to see the glory of God in a graveyard. Now stick a pen right there. I'm going to come back to that. Because let's look at verse 41. Verse 41, Jesus, here it is, lifted up his eyes toward heaven. The Bible says, so they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus lifted up, looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. This brings me to the first of three things I feel led of God to emphasize today. The first thing is gaze. Gaze. Let's talk about your gaze. Let's, let's talk about what you're looking at. Let's, let's talk about what's ha what has your attention with all that you're going through. If you have a lot of noise around you, look up. When you look around and all you see is, is people complaining and criticizing and attacking you, look up to heaven. When we are trying to help folk only to encounter negativity, rejection, the side eye, look up toward heaven. Looking up toward heaven helps us see more than the nine times one equals seven. It helps us see the Father. It, it helps, listen y'all, it helps give us hope when all we hear and all we see can delete our wanting to work toward a better day. Looking up toward heaven makes me think of the progressive insurance commercial with, with Dr. Rick. Dr. Rick's responsibility is to help keep new homeowners from becoming like their parents. So in one commercial, he takes several clients on a field trip to a store that looks like a Home Depot or a Lowe's. So in one little clip of this commercial, Dr. Rick is with three of his clients when a young patron in the store walks by them with blue hair. So these other patrons there, the, the, these clients of Dr. Rick's there, they're, they're getting older. They're kind of like the parents of old-fashioned Dr. Rick. He just keeps looking down. He says, we all see it. We all see it. He didn't allow the blue hair to distract him. He, he kept his eyes down trying to keep his clients calm. We all see it. We all see it. We need to lift our eyes up toward heaven. We all see the graveyard. We all hear the noise from the crowd. But it doesn't have to become a thing. What we hear and what we see doesn't have to distract us from what heaven can turn around. Fixing your gaze toward heaven can empower you to refuse what you hear uh, and see on earth from becoming a thing or the main thing that consumes all of your attention, all of your hope, all of your joy, or all of your faith. Looking up toward heaven can keep you from trying to impress, crying, complaining, criticism, criticizing people who ain't never going to like you no way. Some people will never validate you. They will never accept you. Some people will never believe you're anointed. Some people will never believe that you've changed. Some people will never, are never going to acknowledge that God is working through you. Jesus looked up toward heaven and this is what you and I must do. Aren't you glad you can see and hear more than what exists on earth? Aren't you glad that despite all the noise and all the criticism and all the stuff that brings you to tears that you see and here on earth you can look up toward heaven and see there's something bigger there's something better there's a power that can turn things around there's a power that can turn your midnight into day you can look up toward heaven fix your gaze upon heaven upon the one who can cause your weeping to endure for a night but joy to come in the morning this means we as the people of God have more to look at than what we see on earth. If all we have to help us is what we see on earth, we're in serious trouble.
We have more than what we see on earth. I said we have more than what we see on earth. Have you ever gone shopping for clothes or shoes and you ask a salesperson if they have a particular item in your size? And then they tell you, they tell you all we have available is what you see on the floor. It's a disappointing thing when they don't have your size. Listen, if you understand what I'm talking about, I just need somebody to type, Pastor. I know what you're talking about. When all they have is what you see on the floor and they don't have your size. Man, that's a horrible feeling, especially when that thing is on sale. <laughs> Anybody understand what I'm... Anyway, when that thing is on sale and you don't have any, they can't go in the stock room. They can't even order, order for you online. All they have is all you see. But what the believer has, all that we see on earth is more available for us in heaven. All that you see going wrong in your family. I just come to tell you, you've got some help in heaven. All that you see going wrong in politics, we've got some help in heaven. All that you see going wrong in your health, with all that you see going wrong on your job, with all that you you see going wrong in these yet to be United States of America the good news is we can look up toward heaven fix our gaze upon the one who has unlimited supply unlimited resources unlimited food unlimited money unlimited wealth we can look up fix our guy our gaze unto heaven and realize we've got help with more than what we encounter here on earth Jesus fixed his gaze up toward heaven and said father I thank you. Father, I thank you. This takes me to the second thing I feel led of God to emphasize on today. Because in addition to emphasizing our gaze, the second thing we want to emphasize is gratitude. 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 Look at verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. I thank you. Jesus, what do you thank the Father for? Don't miss this. You've got to narrow in on, on, on the context of what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, Father, I thank you that thou hast heard me and I knew that thou hearest me always. Jesus, why are you expressing gratitude? Because the Father hears me, he heard me, and he always hears me but Jesus with all this noise going on around you all these folks getting on your nerves and got you in your feelings Jesus how can you express gratitude at a time like this because I know that the father heard me and I know he always hears me we don't know what exactly the father heard Jesus pray about this situation. Perhaps the father heard a prayer Jesus rendered on Lazarus' behalf that's not recorded in scripture. Maybe the father heard Jesus when he sought the father's guidance on whether to go to hostile territory in Bethany. We don't know for sure what the father heard Jesus pray about this particular situation. But what we do know is that Jesus was grateful for the father having heard him. And so if you are in a hostile setting with a whole lot of noise, lift up your eyes and tell the Lord, Father, I thank you. Why? Why, Pastor Clark? Why should I thank God at a time like this with all the noise that I'm hearing, with all the mess that I'm dealing with? You ought to tell the Father, thank you, because he heard you and he always hears you. I know you've been hearing some stuff that has you in your feelings. I know some folks have been saying things that has gotten on your nerves. You have wept you have been angry you have been troubled but lift up your eyes lift up your voice and with as much gratitude as you can muster I need you to holler father I thank you I know you heard me and you always hear me 
with all the stuff you're dealing with right now God needs to hear from you and you need to be confident that he hears you don't waste time oh please hear me don't waste time going back and forth with your critics don't lose sleep over people who don't get you some of you are so worried over the noise making negative people in your life that you're losing your hair as a matter of fact you're so worried you got listen you got you, you you're worrying so much you got hair falling out of your wig listen to me don't worry about folks you're never gonna win folks who ain't ever gonna shut up talking about you and spreading rumors on you and lying about you and throwing shade about you on social media rather what you do you pray and pray with a confident grateful heart knowing God hears you and when you pray he hears you and he will come through for you don't you know we are encouraged in scripture to be confident that the father hears us when we pray Mark chapter 11 verse 24 says I tell you Jesus is speaking here I tell you you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it it will be yours Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 so let us come boldly or confidently or with assurance or with security to the throne of our gracious God there we shall receive his mercy and he will and we will find grace to help us when we need it most first John first John chapter 5 verse 14 says and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him and since we know he hears us when we make our requests we also know that he will give us what we ask for in other words pray with a confident grateful heart can I tell you why you should be grateful the father hears you because God I'm gonna tell you why because God our heavenly father answers prayer God said God answers prayer God answers prayer if I have any witnesses on on social media on our platforms who can bear witness that God answers prayer I just need you to type God answers prayer but hold on a minute while you're typing that let me let me let me let me share something with you let me add some fries to go along with this shake God doesn't always give us what we want when he answers our prayers. Jesus didn't even get, always get what he wanted when he, when he prayed unto the Father. He was nearly stoned back in Jerusalem in John chapter 10. Jesus didn't ask for that. Jesus didn't get out of going to the cross after he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Our heavenly father answers prayer. He answers prayer in open doors no man can shut. He, uh, he answers prayer and makes ways out of no way. He answers prayer and moves mountains, makes walls to fall, and by his power performs miracles. After Jesus prayed to the father in our text, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Prayer changes things, but prayer is not a magic wand that you wave over your situations so you can get your way. Prayer is not a magic trick to get God to do whatever we want and produce whatever results we want in life. But God answers our prayers. I said, God, God answers our prayers. He heard Jesus and raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus is grateful in a graveyard. If you feel like you are in a graveyard where dead things are buried, I challenge you to pray and trust God to move even in your graveyard. 
I'm talking about a graveyard where dead dreams are buried. Dead marriages are buried. Dead ministries are buried. Dead careers are buried. Lift up your eyes toward heaven and tell the Lord, Father, I thank you. I know you heard me and you always hear me. I'm saying if you're in a situation where all you hear is negativity and all you see is dead stuff, Lift up your eyes, lift up your voice, and cry out, Father, I thank you. Why? Why? Because I know you heard me, and you always hear me. This is something to be grateful for, child of God. This is something to be grateful for, single mother. This is something to be grateful for while you're struggling in this pandemic. Because one thing this text teaches us is prayer can make the difference between life and death. Oh, yes. Sometimes if it had not been for prayer, listen, y'all, according to this text, if it had not been for prayer, sometimes dead stuff will stay dead. Prayer in this text, in this situation, and in some of your situations, prayer was the catalyst for resurrecting some dead marriages. Prayer was the key to resurrecting some dead ministries. Your prayer, your joy that died would still be dead if the Father hadn't moved and answered your prayer. Your hope that died would still be dead if the Father hadn't moved and answered your prayer. Your vision that died would still be dead if the Father hadn't moved and answered prayer. Some dead stuff will stay dead unless you pray about it. If God has ever heard you and answered your prayer and resurrected some dead stuff in your life, tell him thank you for hearing me. And do you know the father answered your prayers? He answered your prayers and resurrected by uh, uh, buried stuff. Do you know how? Do you know how he did it? He did it. Here it is. By releasing his glory. This takes me to the third and final matter I'm led to emphasize today. We've already emphasized grace, a gaze. We've already emphasized gratitude. And the final emphasis for today is glory. I'm, now you got to do the, you got to moonwalk back to verse 4 of John chapter 11. This creates the context for the whole story. This, you can't miss this because it, it really helps shape how this whole story looks. Look at John 11 and 4. But when Jesus heard about it, when he heard about Lazarus being sick, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Now, we know Lazarus died. Jesus is saying it will not end with him ultimately dying. No, here it is. Please, you can't miss this part. No, it happened for the glory of God. So that the son of God will receive glory from this. Oh, and let me back that train up and read that thing one more time. No, it happened for the glory of God. So that the son of God will receive glory from this. Jesus was focused on glory. Focusing on glory helps you see beyond what is visible and work toward what is possible. Focusing on glory helps you see something bigger than whatever you're dealing with. Believing God for glory can empower you to serve in hostile Bethany after other folks told you not to go. Believing God for glory can drive you to pray for the Father to bring dead things back to life. Take a closer look at what is meant by glory in John 11 and 4. But when Jesus heard about it, when he heard about Lazarus being sick, he said, Lazarus sickness will not end in death. No, please hear me, y'all. It happened for the glory of God so that the son of God will receive glory from this. 
Two things here real quick and we're going to raise up. First of all, Jesus said it happened for the glory of God. In other words, listen, Jesus is expecting the Father to release his glory, his power, his, his presence, his, his, his power in raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus is expecting God to release his glory in a graveyard. Then he also said in that fourth verse, so that the son of God, listen, y'all, will receive glory from this. Jesus is expecting to receive glory. In other words, he's expecting to receive honor. He's expecting some of these believe, these unbelieving Jews who will witness the miracle, witness this miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead. He's expecting to receive glory from them as they acknowledge Jesus as their long awaited Messiah. He's expecting to receive glory from them as they acknowledge, honor and recognize Jesus as the promised Christ of God. He made it clear. That he wants the Jews who will be eyewitnesses to Lazarus miraculously being raised from the dead to believe on him as the son of God. Now, jump back down to verses 41 and 42. Very important. Verses 41 and 42, our text today. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here. So that they will believe you sent me. Jesus is expecting to receive glory. When he fixed his gaze up toward heaven, he was looking for glory. When he gave thanks to the Father for hearing him, it was because when the Father hears us, glory can happen. Jesus, Jesus, how is it that you can go to Bethany knowing they're going to come for you? I'm expecting glory. Jesus, how is it that, that you can put up with all that noise and get in your feelings without getting distracted and wasting your time going off on your critics? Is because Jesus was expecting glory. Jesus, how could you go to Bethany when you knew some of those folks would not appreciate you? You knew they would not appreciate your gift. Jesus would respond, because I'm expecting glory. Jesus, how can you put your anger and troubled spirit and all your own emotions under subjection in a place where you see so much dead stuff and you hear so much whining and crying and complaining? It's because I'm expecting our Heavenly Father to release his glory, his power in raising Lazarus from the dead and I'm expecting to receive glory as sinners see that I am the Christ their savior their deliverer their hope the son of the living God who has come to save them from their sins I'm going to get glory out of this I'm going to get glory in this graveyard this is why prayer is so important this is why prayer is so important this is why we should be thankful that the father hears us because when he hears us glory can happen God can release his glory his power his, his resurrecting power in Jesus can receive glory by sinners being converted into followers of Christ so thank the father for hearing you because when he hears you glory can happen this is why focus is important Jesus maintained his focus on God's glory and his receiving glory hear me y'all please listen he was not distracted by all the noise at the graveyard if Jesus had become distracted and fixated himself on going off on his critics the opportunity for glory could have been thrown in the garbage 
Focus on the glory. We must serve the Lord as though glory is at stake. We cannot afford to be distracted by the noise, the negativity, the weeping and the wailing, the complaining and the criticism, nor can we, be, can we afford to be distracted by our own emotions. We cannot afford to be occasionally distracted or even worse, consistently distracted, incessantly distracted, perpetually distracted, constantly distracted, unswervingly distracted, fixatedly distracted, steadily distracted by what we see or hear on earth. For to be steadily distracted is to be severely distracted. Souls are at stake. The eternal destiny of sinners bound by darkness are at stake glory is at stake when we pray glory can happen so pause and thank the father for hearing you when you pray pause and praise if you have ever prayed to the father and glory happen so glory makes this whole story bigger than a miracle for Lazarus glory makes this whole story bigger than Mary and Martha getting their dead brother back to life glory is bigger than being appreciated glory is bigger than everybody understanding you for who you think you are or getting you or appreciating your anointing or following you on social media expecting glory makes you lift your eyes toward heaven knowing that your father hears you when you call on him to move in a graveyard let's focus on the father releasing his glory let's believe after he hears us he releases his glory he releases his power let's focus on the son receiving glory let's believe that after the father hears us sinners will believe in Jesus as savior and lord Lazarus was raised from the dead did you hear what I said I said Lazarus was raised from the dead Jesus called Lazarus by name he resurrected what was most recently buried hold on Antoine I need a couple of more minutes hold on one minute just, just, just one minute yeah he resurrected what was most recently buried what was buried most re what was buried most recently in your life maybe it was faith in the power of prayer you didn't get what you wanted from God and so you've given up just recently on the power of prayer maybe it's your love for the church maybe you've recently buried your love for the church because church folk just got on your ever <laughs> love it last nerve maybe you're thinking about changing your membership because church folk just getting on your nerve maybe maybe you're looking at changing your religion because church folk and preachers just getting on your nerves but I'm here to tell you that when you lift up your gaze unto heaven and you pray with a grateful heart knowing that God can hear you in a graveyard where you buried something recently if you call it by name just like Jesus called Lazarus by name for a lot of preachers love to say about this text that Jesus had to call Lazarus by name because if he had just said come forth everything dead out there would have got up sometimes you got to call forth that dead thing specifically by name your love for the church maybe you need to call it by name your love for the word of God maybe you buried it recently you need to call it to come forth by name maybe your marriage is something you buried recently you need to call it to come forth by name and just as Lazarus got up your prayer life can get back up your vision can get back up your joy can get back up your peace can get back up your passion for ministry can get back up maybe so many other people have let you down you've given up 
you've buried trusting other people. You've buried your trust in others. You've, burned, you've been burned and disappointed. Left and forsaken by so many others. So many times you've given up on people. And it's so bad you don't want to serve anymore. It's so bad you don't want to love anymore. But I'm here to tell you that even if you may have given up on dating you may have given up on serving you may have given up on working you may feel as though you're the only person you can trust you've buried that sense of interdependence you don't trust anybody but Lazarus got up and your sense of interdependence can be resurrected as well call it by name come forth come forth whatever it is you need from God to survive well in verse number 45 the, we're, we're, we're told that some people believed in Jesus many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen but in verse number 46 oh my God it's just like folk ain't it in verse number 46 some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done some people believed Jesus as the son of God and some other people went to the Pharisees and religious leaders and told them let me tell you what this preacher called himself doing now he called himself resurrecting or, or raising up Lazarus from the dead. And so what happened after that? The priests and Pharisees heard about the miracle, verse 53, and they plotted to take Jesus out. They don't want to go get their loved ones raised up. No, they want to plot to get Jesus to take him out. But I've come to tell somebody today. All right, Antoine, let's rock it. Let's, let's go on and close this out. I've come to tell somebody today that even when you find yourself in a graveyard, even when you find yourself at a dead end in life, even when you find yourself dealing with something that's been buried a long time ago, even when you find yourself dealing with something that seemed like it's all gone, it's all lost and all hope is lost. I'm here to tell you, if you lift up your eyes toward heaven, if you lift up your gaze toward heaven, you can cry out, Father, I thank you with everything in my life going wrong. Yet I thank you with my marriage being on the brink of divorce. Yet I thank you being laid off from my job in the midst of a pandemic. But yet I thank you. Can I tell you why? Because God hears you. He always hears you. He hears you because he cares for you he hears you because he has favor on your life God hears you because he promised that he would and whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved if you call him he will answer if you call him you can have the victory if you call him with a grateful heart and a confident heart God is able to release glory on your behalf. I need somebody to declare, there shall be glory after this. There shall be victory after this. There shall be a turnaround after this. There shall be a resurrection after this. Won't he do it? I said, won't God do it? Has he ever done it for you? Has he ever done it for you? Hallelujah. Shout yes. Shout yes. Shout yes. I'm done. It's time to go. It's time to get out of here. But I got to tell you one more thing. I know you're in the graveyard. I know you can't stop weeping. I know your soul is troubled. But be not dismayed. Whatever be tight. God will I'm done Antoine God will 
Let's get out of here. God will take care of you if he's ever done it for you. Give me a yes in those comments. If he's ever done it for you, type yes in those comments. Father, I thank you for hearing me. I'm lifting up my eyes onto the hills with tears streaming from my eyes. I'm lifting up my eyes onto the hills because I can't see anything on earth that can help me. I fix my gaze upon you. Maybe you are streaming or listening on the conference call. Maybe you need to repent for being so fixated and distracted by the noise, the criticism, the dead stuff. Maybe you need to repent for letting that stuff get to you and distract you. Maybe right now you need to tell God, you know what? One, one, one of the reasons I can't stop crying. Because I'm not keeping my eyes fixed on you. Maybe you need to repent and fix your gaze upon Jesus. Look in his wonderful face. And then lift up your voice. Father, I thank you. I know you heard me. Even though my loved one died, I know you heard me. Even though it looks as though we're getting a divorce, I know you heard me. Even though they're talking about laying me off, I know you heard me. And because God heard you, glory can happen. Glory can happen. God can release his glory on your behalf. And I pray that in all, that's, all that happens to you, may the Son of God be glorified, honored, recognized, and, and, and adored as the Son of the living God. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.